Hello everyone, my name is Zachary Rodier and welcome to episode 6 of the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast. Uh, we have a special show for you today because Dave Gosher, the TV play-by-play announcer for the Vegas Golden Knights, is here today as a co-host. He will ha- talk to me about his job and the Golden Knights and then later get into the NHL news with Commissioner Gary Bettman, special announcement um, last this week. Uh, and last week about the 24-team format. Uh, Dave and I will talk about our picks for the play-in rounds and who we think is going to win. But without further ado, let's send it over to the interview and NHL news with Dave Gosher. Today, the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast is excited to welcome our first play-by-play announcer to the show and our first guest co-host who will be here for an interview and our new segment. Today's guest is the TV voice of the Vegas Golden Knights who explains everything that happens in game live. Before joining the Golden Knights broadcast team, today's guest was the Boston Bruins radio voice for 17 years. He joined Vegas in their inaugural season and got to call and experience their first magical year. His skills also helped him earn a Pacific Southwest Emmy for his broadcasting. Everyone, please welcome Dave Gosher to the show. Dave, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Hey, good to be with you, Zach. Uh, So usually right now, uh, you'd be really busy uh, with the playoffs, especially if the Golden Knights, uh, I think this time would be the finals. Uh, So especially if the Golden Knights uh, were in the finals right now, uh, how are you doing during these times and how are you keeping busy? Yeah, Zach, it's, it's strange times, right? It, it's funny you talk about the Stanley Cup final. Two years ago at this time, the Golden Knights were playing the Capitals for the Stanley yeah. Cup, which is hard to believe. So, And a lot has changed since then. I think like most people, we're just trying to make the best of it out here in Nevada. Um, you know, we have been blessed. It's actually, as we record today, it's start, the weather's heated up. It's going to be 100 yeah. again today 100, for the third yeah. day in a row, you know. So, uh, but no, I think um, – you know, this has probably lasted, at least to me, longer than I thought it was going to initially when the pause first happened mm-hmm. on March 12th. I think the hope was maybe, you know, three or four weeks, and then we, we might be able to get back to, to playing hockey. But obviously, there's a lot more things uh, at stake here. So, um, yeah. you know, we'll see if, if the plans that have been put forth are able to happen. Hopefully, they are. But, um, you know, I guess that remains to be seen as we move forward. Yeah, and uh, you specifically, how are you keeping busy? Uh, I know that the Knights have been doing a lot of virtual things as well, podcasts and different events, uh, but also uh, personal life, Netflix, shows you're watching. Uh, what are you doing? Yeah, well, on the, on, the, on the VGK front, yeah, we've done a lot of podcasts. We've done Zoom shows. Like I'd never heard of Zoom before 10 yeah. weeks ago, you know, I think like yeah. most of us. Um, so we've done a lot of shows we, uh, called Knights Report that uh, we do via Zoom these days. Uh, just over the last few days, we've started to be able to kind of gravitate back to the studio we have at our offices at City mm-hmm. National Arena in downtown Summerlin. But again, um, only a couple days a week, social distancing, the whole nine yards. So um, my partner in crime on television, Shane Knighty, and I have done some play-by-play and color yeah. for EA Sports simulated games. Yeah. So to stay sharp. Um, because if the season ended right now, well, at least, you know, the old way, the top eight in the West, uh, Vegas would play uh, Nashville. So the Golden Knights, uh, we did a six game, well, it turned out to be six games with the Golden Knights being the Predators. 
Um, and then personally, yeah, I mean, I've kind of, I've done some of the Netflix stuff. I had a friend of mine recommend the show Dead to Me the other day, which I think I'm going to try to start here soon enough. Um, I finished the third season of Ozark, which was beyond belief. Yeah. Um, so I've started to, uh, but you know, and, and then I think just, um, as I said, trying to kind of stay busy as, you know, as best I can. We're, we're blessed with, with some beautiful weather out here. Uh, Nevada, we're, we're lucky, Zach, the COVID numbers have been yeah. uh, fairly low. Um, you know, relatively speaking. So I think that's, that's helped. Um, and the casinos, it looks like on June 4th, are probably going to start to open responsibly and with pretty uh, stringent guidelines as well. Well, yeah, I mean, you're living in Vegas, you're living in a desert. So I mean, when it's 100 degrees, I don't know how a virus could survive. Uh, because it's not sitting in the pool or anything chilling out. Um, but like you said, you're doing some calling some virtual games. I never, I guess you never think you'd have to do that before, call some uh, live EA Sports NHL games. How weird and different is that for you? Yeah, it's different, but I will tell you, Zach, and this goes back to before you were born, when I was at Boston University back in the early to mid-90s, my knucklehead roommates and I in the dorms used to play Nintendo video games. Yeah. And I would call the play-by-play of the games as we were playing it. So <clears throat> maybe I drew on that experience of over 25 years ago yeah. to, to, uh, to do it. But, no, I think we try to have fun with it. Shane and I, excuse me, tried to play it pretty straight, you know, that, you know, we did the old jacket and tie, the Golden Knights lapel pin, the yeah. whole nine yards, and we, we did an open and both intermissions and a, and a little quick post-game thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, right now, look, I mean, we, we'd love to be doing the real thing, but mm -hmm. uh, this is the next best thing at, at the moment. Yeah, and then now let's uh, shift gears uh, to your career specifically. Uh, before we get into your broadcasting career in Vegas, uh, let's talk about Boston a little bit. You had a 17-year term in Boston uh, calling their games on the radios. Uh, the Bruins have been a great team over those 17 years. Uh, so tell uh, me a little bit about your time in Boston. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Zach. I, um, so I grew up, I'll, I'll even take you back a little further. I grew up in Rhode Island, which, uh, okay. in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, which is home at least for another year, I think, to the AAA Pawtucket Red Sox, the Boston Red Sox farm team. And uh, they're going to move, it seems. But uh, So I grew up 45 miles south of Boston. So the, the Boston teams you adopt as your teams if you're from Rhode Island yeah. for the most part. And for me, hockey was always my favorite sport. I had played it since I was five or six and um, played it through high school and then tried to play at Boston University. And uh, they didn't need me. They, they were much <laughs> too good for my, my, uh, my limited talents. So the broadcasting thing was always somewhere, I think, floating around in my head that I thought it was a pretty cool job. And, um, you know, my time with the Bruins, I enjoyed a great deal. Um, you know, the first few years they were hit and miss. Uh, there's a couple there's a few years they missed the playoffs. Uh, a couple of years they made it and they were out in the first round. And then when they brought in Claude Julian in 2007, yeah. that's when things really kind of turned around and, and they, uh, and turned for the better. And, uh, they, they had, you know, some real good teams in those years and highlighted, of course, by them winning the Stanley Cup in 2011 and, and then going back to the final in 2013 against Chicago. So, yeah, I mean, if you would ask me, quite honestly, when I was your age, what's, you know, if you were going to told me you're going to be the radio announcer for the Boston Bruins one day, I probably would have said, that's great. I'm not going to ever want to look for another job. I, I do think, though, it's, it's always important to want to continue to grow and develop and challenge yourself and 
you know, I had spent seven years in the minor leagues doing radio before Boston. So that's 24 years of radio if you add it all yeah. up. So I think um, for me, it was a new challenge, but I wanted a unique opportunity. I wasn't just going to pick up, you know, my wife and I and just go anywhere at that stage of my career. But when the opportunity to come to Vegas and be the first ever TV play-by-play voice of the first ever major league team in Vegas, that's about as unique an opportunity as you're going to get. Yeah, and I was uh, about to ask you about that. Um, is it since you've been in Boston uh, for those 17 years plus the, the American Hockey League and, and the minor leagues, how was that decision hard or easy or a little bit of both? Because like you said, uh, it's a great opportunity to be offered to uh, be on TV, move from radio and cover a team uh, that's starting fresh and having a new career. Yeah, it's a good question, Zach. I think it was probably a, a, a mixture of both. Um, it was, I think from a, an emotional standpoint, it was, a, it was a bit difficult just because, you know, I had, that was the job I had wanted for a long time was the Bruins on radio. Um, and quite honestly, 90% of my family and friends are back in the Boston area in yeah. New England. So um, it was picking up and moving 2,600 miles away, which was, it was something I didn't have to do. I could have certainly mm -hmm. just stayed doing uh, what I was doing, but I had been thinking for a while, um, you know, you have this little voice sometimes in the back of your mind that's like, what's next? You know, what's the next challenge for you? What's yeah. the next step in your career? And um, so I don't, you know, sometimes the, the easy decision and the right decision are two different things, right? I, I think the, yeah. certainly the easiest decision would have been to do nothing and just to you know, stand pat and continue to do the Bruins on radio, and that would have been fine. I don't think it would have been the right decision for where I was at that point in my career and with the desire I had to try to see if I could do more. So I think the emotional part of it was family and friends, yeah. but uh, professionally, to a large extent, it was really a no-brainer. And I got to be honest with you, we moved to Vegas. The family and friends have been out here plenty, so it's yeah. uh, you know it's a pretty popular spot to visit, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, so now that you're in Vegas, uh, you've moved, and now you're also doing play-by-play -play, uh, for television, which uh, is a little different as well. Um, like for example. I don't know if you did this, but like if you're on the radio, you don't have to worry about what you're looking like or what you're wearing all the time because uh, you're not on screen. Um, but also now you're in Vegas and you had uh, this great experience uh, uh, really starting with the team. And you also got to experience uh, that first year when Vegas shocked the hockey world. So tell us a little bit about that. Experience. Yeah, sure. I, I think the adjustment to television has been – uh, I've enjoyed it. You know, I, I had a friend of mine compare it to uh, compare it like um, it's a much bigger band that's involved, for lack of a better way to put it. You know, on radio, it's a pretty small group. There's yourself, your partner on the air, your producer in the booth. Um, and basically, whoever's back at the radio station, making sure everything's running smoothly from that end and punching up commercials when we need them. That's that's kind of it. Uh, TV's a whole different deal producers, directors, statisticians, graphics people, stage managers, uh, cameramen. It's a, it's a big, big production. So, mm -hmm. But I wanted that. I, I wanted to do something different. And uh, I've enjoyed it. Um, the heavy makeup is, a, is, a, is an adjustment. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, you know what that's like. And uh, no, it's been um, – but I, I've, I've really um, 
I've really enjoyed it. You know, Shane Knighty and I on, on TV have a lot of fun with our broadcast. Shane and I have known each other for, well, for a long time now. We played for the Bruins on two different occasions, including the Cup team in 2011. So uh, we had instant chemistry on the air, off the air. We spent a lot of time together. Our families mm-hmm. are close. Uh, even in this period of time, we try to responsibly spend a little bit of time together. Um, and yeah, and, and then the second part of your question, Zach, I think that that first year was just, um, it was beyond belief. I, I yeah. think that Shane and I used to look at each other, you know, they get off to an eight and one start and we'd say, okay, well, you know, where are they going to be at Thanksgiving or where are they going to be at Christmas or where are they going to be at the trade deadline? And then we just kept running out of benchmarks, you know, yeah. they just kept winning and winning and, um, you know, and I think it was, it was great, obviously, for the organization, but also for the people here uh, in Nevada because of, mm-hmm. you know, the horrendous shootings at Mandalay Bay and at the, yeah. uh, the Route 91 uh, Music Festival only five days before the season. Um, it created a bond between the team and the community that is beyond belief. Um, you know, I've been in the NHL, luckily enough, for 20 years, and the fans in Boston are very passionate about the Bruins and about their teams. The biggest difference out here is right now the Golden Knights are the only professional team in town. You know, the Raiders are going to be coming next fall, but right now they are it. And um, you can't go five minutes without seeing a bumper sticker, a T-shirt, a hat, a billboard, um, you know, for the Golden Knights. So it's been – it's really been everything I hoped it would be. Yeah, and I mean that whole area around T-Mobile Arena, uh, I was there for myself in the first year, and I saw – like every restaurant had Golden Knights gear. It was like a whole mini village of like Golden Knights. Uh, so it was pretty cool. And the whole plaza and the whole arena, it's such a great experience. Uh, and you get to be there at T-Mobile Arena every home game and experience that feeling. Um, but even not just that first year, the year after, the Golden Knights uh, have made the playoffs and they've had pretty a memorable team so far. Uh, and I know that you've experienced a lot, but what has been, if you can't choose one, give me a couple, but your best moments uh, while covering the team. Yeah, I would think um, probably in year one, um, there was a time in December, right, not too far before Christmas, where Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Lightning came into Vegas and they were the best team in the league by far. Number one in points, number one in offense, number one in defense, number one in goals, you know, power play goals. They were they were loaded and the Golden Knights uh, beat them. Shea Theodore scored with 2.3 seconds left uh, and the place went bananas. Like it was one of those who thought the roof was going to come off the building. It was that loud. So I think that would be, uh, that would be one. William Carlson scored a goal between his own legs uh, shorthanded against uh, San Jose to clinch the Pacific division um, in March, I believe of that first year. I know Columbus misses him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he would be the first to tell you, though. He had six goals the year before. So yeah. I don't know. What it, I don't think anyone thought he was going to go from six to 43, right? Yeah. But, uh, so I think that would be up there from um, from year one. Year two, you know, there was a game. I want to say it was game three or four of the playoffs against San Jose where Mark Stone had a hat trick and five points. And he and Max Pacioretty and Paul Stastny just, uh, just went nuts. With uh, They were phenomenal. Uh, for yeah. most of that series. So, but yeah, I think those would be some of the things that, you know, the, the sweep of the LA Kings in the first round um, in 2018 was, was uh, you know, George McPhee, who at the time was the GM of the, the Golden mm-hmm. Knights, now the president of hockey operations, said he thought it was 
the toughest four-game sweep you'd ever seen, which it was. I mean, it was uh, a great goaltending duel between Mark andre Fleury and Jonathan Quick. So, yeah, I think that um, those would be some of the things that just kind of come to the forefront of my mind. Yeah, and uh, with, with all that you've gone through uh, with the Golden Knights, uh, you've had a great broadcast team, and it seems like your broadcast team uh, gets along very well. Uh, like you said, you and Shane have been friends uh, for a while. Um, and I've seen on the internet, you guys have been playing some jokes on each other and things like that. So what has been your funniest moment or best story uh, during your time in Vegas uh, with them? Uh, that's a good question. That you can share. Yeah, no, yeah, that's a good point. Well, I don't know if it's funny, but I would tell you that one of the most enjoyable things for me is, there's a little bit of a backstory. I try to play the guitar a little bit. Um, and I have for the last oh, over a dozen years. Mm -hmm. Try is the key word, um, <laughs> you know, but I had a great teacher back in Rhode Island in my home state that uh, I miss going to see and I try to see when I'm back there. But uh, we were in Nashville earlier this season and Shane, um, Shane's friends with a, man, a fellow by the name of Jordan McCants, who's, you know, one of these musicians in Nashville that mm -hmm. is trying to, you know, trying to quote unquote make it. And uh, Shane's known him for a few years and, Shane went up to him and said, you know, is there any way we do a vlog, the Golden Knights do a video, a vlog, a video blog uh, occasionally. And they were looking for material and they said, is there any way that Dave could come up on stage and maybe play a song with you? Well, you know, it's one thing to sit in my little music room at my house and yeah. play. It's another thing with other human beings who you don't know watching yeah. you play. So anyway, uh, I went up there and Jordan was nice enough to have me up and, uh, and I played uh, Let Her Cry by Hootie and the Blowfish. So uh, it was a three, three or four chords, which is perfect for me. And uh, so I think that was probably, you know, something I'd always wanted to do was even in front of, there were probably 30 people in this little bar. It's a music uh, city. You, yeah, you it's perform, exactly right. Yeah, the music city. But I told Shane after the fact, I said, let me tell you something. This little bar room looks a lot different sitting in the seats out here as opposed to sitting on the stage, you know, when you yeah. do that 180, it's a much different experience. So, yeah, I think that's probably, uh, you know, one of the highlights for me, just that, you know, we're pretty high on the fun factor and, and uh, you know, we're together a lot. You know, we take the games very seriously and what we do seriously, but it's surrounded by trying to have as much fun as possible. Yeah. And uh, also, I mean, you're always broadcasting, uh, but during those commercial breaks, uh, during the, you know, the, that, the intermissions, you may get to see some Circus Soleil at T-Mobile Arena as well. So, I mean, it's not a bad perk. Um, no, not at all. Yeah, but uh, many people dream of doing play-by-play -play and broadcasting, but few realize the effort and skill it takes. Uh, take us through how you prepare for a game day uh, to make sure your calls are going to be accurate and descriptive enough. Um, but also, you cover the Golden Knights all the time, so you know all their numbers and – are able to see all those numbers. Uh, you got a new team you're also uh, describing every night. So how do you make sure you know all their names? Yeah, well, I try, um, I try Zach, to uh, – honestly, I spend most of my time on the other team. You know, as you mentioned, I mean, I see the Golden Knights, mm. you know, three or four times a week usually. So um, I watch a good amount of video. You know, I have access to, to um, you know, download games. and I'm kind of a visual person, so I like to see – who's playing together, what are the line combinations, left shot, right shot, tall, short. Um, so I'll watch a good amount of video. Let's say the, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs were coming into town this weekend. Uh, I would watch a good amount of uh, probably the previous game or two 
just to get myself familiarized. Um, I do a line chart on each team um, that has the four lines, the three sets of defensemen and the two goaltenders. Um, I'll read a, a good amount as well. I think one of the challenges in 2020, maybe compared to when I started in the NHL in, in 2000, is the amount of information out there is, can be overwhelming. So I think I try to streamline into what I think is important. Um, you know, and a lot of that work is the day or two before the game. You know, it's not uh, – the game day is a little bit different. You know, for sake of argument, it's a game in Vegas. The Golden Knights have a practice rink at City National Arena here in downtown Summerlin where pretty much most of us live involved with the team. Go over there under normal circumstances, um, talk with the players, talk with the coach, compare notes. Um, you know, our producer and, and Shane and I and our producer will kind of work out what our open's going to be, what we want to talk about. Um, you know, so it's, it's a longer process than it's, it's certainly, you know, it's not show up at 6.30 and let's go. I mean, it starts a day or two before. Yeah. And then I like to have all my work done pretty much by the time I get to T-Mobile. So for a, you know, for a 7 o'clock game, Shane and I usually drive in together. We get there at about 4.30. Um, and pretty much all the work in terms of preparation is done. Then it's just a matter of, you know, how does the game unfold? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's really interesting because, I mean, you always wonder also you're, you're in the press box. Uh, so are you actually able to see all their numbers or sometimes you look on screens to see who's who? Yeah, it's interesting. In, in Vegas, we're lucky, Zach, that we're down. Uh, we moved halfway through last season, season two. Uh, we're, we're kind of right above the first level of seats, okay. um, uh, right in front of the Bud Light Lounge, for lack of a better description. Yeah, so, I think I, I know. Yeah, we have a little perch there. Uh, but to your larger point, in most arenas, and certainly on the road for the most part, we're way up and, and at times can be way back, which could be a challenge. Um, and you just try to do the best you can. I mean, I, I, I can't rely on the monitor in real time because – that limits your vision to just whatever's on the monitor. Yeah. And sometimes they're in a little bit of a delay as well. So um, I usually just look at the monitors for replays and you know graphics and different video packages we're going to use. So, yeah, that's been um, – it, it seems with a lot of the newer buildings, and I get it. Look, uh, the broadcasters are not – you know, they're not that high on the priority list. It's yeah. all about the corporate suites and the sponsors, and I, I, I truly understand it. But uh, there's times it does make it – a little more challenging than it used to be. Yeah. And uh, now we're recording uh, this interview uh, on Friday, May 29th. And yesterday, the Golden Knights announced their AHL team name uh, as the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, so what are your thoughts on their name and their logo? I talked to Kerry uh, last week on the podcast about the team and how big it is uh, for the Golden Knights. Um, but in your opinion, uh, in addition to the name and the logo, how big is it uh, for the AHL team to be in Henderson uh, in the Golden Knights' backyard? Yeah, I, I think it's a great. I think it's a great plan, Zach, by Bill Foley and and company. Um, you know, when I was in in the AHL back east in Providence, basically my hometown team in Rhode Island, um, they were the farm team for the Boston Bruins, and it was only forty five or fifty minutes up the road. Uh, you know, this is even closer here from yeah. T-Mobile to. Uh, over to Henderson. Uh, I think it's great for a lot of reasons. I, I think one of the big things that the Golden Knights are conscious of and are driven to do is to continue to grow this game and build this game. 
And this certainly does that. Um, you know, the, uh, more sheets of ice in Nevada and Southern mm -hmm. Nevada. Uh, there's going to be a, a lifeguard arena, which is going to be the, the Silver Knights practice rink and team offices with two sheets of ice, similar to what we have here with uh, City National Arena for the Golden Knights. Um, I think it's fantastic. I, I keep coming back to the fact, you know, three years ago at this time, May of 2017, there had yet to be a single second or an NHL game from, you know, from a gold, from a, the Vegas Golden Knights plate. Mm -hmm. And now here we are three years later, you've got the Golden Knights who have built themselves into one of the premier franchises in the NHL. And now they're going to have their AHL affiliate, you know, 20 minutes away uh, in, in Henderson. So I think for all those things, it's fantastic. And I think logistically too, Zach, to be honest with you, if George McPhee, Kellen McCrimmon, Pete DeBoer, whoever it might be, wants to go see their American Hockey League play on a off night, they can yeah. just drive to Henderson if they're if the team is in town. Um, so I think that or they want to go see a practice, you know, that's, yeah. that's something too. And I, the other part of it for me would be the Golden Knights are enormously popular. They sell out every game standing room only. Yeah. Um, you know, the AHL franchise and the Silver Knights are, is going to be, you know, quite honestly, a more, it's going to be an affordable option. Uh, but they already have 7,600 season to ticket yeah. deposits for what's going to be probably a 6,100 seat building. Yeah. So that being said, um, I think it'll serve as an opportunity for people that maybe can't get to a Golden Knights game, can't get tickets. It's not the cheapest date. You know, it's not the cheapest date yeah. night. It's it's not cheap to go. It's you know most pro sports aren't. The AHL I think will serve as a as a great uh, alternative to that, and you could see guys that could play for the Silver Knights one night and they might be called up to play for the Golden Knights the next yeah. night. Yeah. And I, I think that with the affordability, I think that when I was watching uh, the reveal, what you guys called the reveal night last night, uh, Bill Foley said tickets are starting at $10. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, very affordable, uh, but on their name and logo um, before you, they told you what the name was going to be. Uh, did you have a sense that maybe this would be the Silver Knights? Yeah, well, if I'm being honest, Zach, yes, just because I worked yeah. for the team, you know, so I, you know, kind of knew it for a while. Uh, I will say I didn't see the logo until a couple of days before, the day before, maybe, uh, before the reveal. I was in yeah. briefly in our offices, and uh, I had to do the voiceover for a couple of commercials for the, for the Henderson Silver Knights, and that mm -hmm. was the first time I saw what I think is a terrific logo. You know? Yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah, Bill Foley went through, you know, kind of a with his West Point background and and uh, you know kind of a lengthy explanation of all the, you know, the intricate details of it. Of it, I love the gold eyes and that yeah. you know that horse head logo and um, the H, which you kind of have to look for, but it's right there. Yeah. The sim, you know, for uh, for the city of Henderson. So, yeah, you know what I what I love about the Golden Ice logo, Zach, is that. You know, the team's been around three years, but it seems like the logos, it, it could have been around forever. It's just yeah. classic, you know, and I think they did a great job with uh, with the Henderson logo, too. Yeah, I, I thought about the Silver Knights, uh, and now we got to know if there will ever be a Bronze Knights uh, as the ECHL <laughs> team or something. I yeah. think that would be cool. Um, I knew that it was probably going to be in that medieval theme, uh, keeping with the Knights up, but I like how they keep kind of the shape uh with the emblem as well. So I thought that was cool. Um, but now back to Vegas, um, there's two things the Golden Knights don't have right now that fans want to see in any NHL team, a third jersey and a captain. 
Tell me what you think uh, the third jersey should look like, if it should be fully gold. And who do you think uh, the top three picks uh, for the captains in the captaincy may be uh, for next season or whenever they decide? Yeah, well, in answer to your first question, I, I think it would – I think probably gold, predominantly gold uh, yeah. for the third jersey. I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, I think there's a pretty good chance you could see that next season, uh, whenever that next season yeah. begins. Um, I think that's something that, uh, that you'll see not too far down the horizon. Um, the captain, the captain thing, uh, to me, it's Mark Stone. That's just my two cents. I think yeah. it's Mark Stone. I mean, I guess if you were going to, you know, put a longer list together, you could look at somebody like a, you know, maybe a Riley Smith, Max Pacioretty was the captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Um, but to me, you know, Mark Stone signed a long-term deal here. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's, the, he's their best all around player. Most nights, hands down. So, uh, yeah. I, and, and, you know, whether that happens next season or not, I'm not quite sure. I don't think they felt, at least in the first couple of years, they had a clear-cut captain. You know, you could look at – I think Derek Englund had kind of been the de facto captain. Yeah. Pierre-Edouard Belmar was a strong leader in that locker room the first two years. Certainly Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, all of it really flows through him as yeah. uh, a guy that commands – a tremendous amount of respect in that locker room. So, but I think as they move forward, you know, potentially in the next season, to me, it's Mark Stone's that guy, but uh, you know, for what it's worth, it's just kind of my two cents. Yeah. And I, I think I, I agree with that um, with the long-term contract and his skill. Um, but before we get into the NHL news and the 2014 format that was released recently, uh, let's talk about the night specifically um, this year did not start according to plan, uh, and the Knights let go of Gerard Gallant, who brought the team um, to their magical first year. H how did this coaching change turn around the team, or was there more to it than uh, just the coach? Yeah, I think, Zach, they felt as an organization that the team they had was underachieving. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, and that's so I've always felt, how do you, if you have a team that you think is capable of more, how do you jolt them out of it? How do you shock the system? To me, there's only a couple of ways you can do it. One is you can make a big trade. Well, the Golden Knights did that the previous year when they acquired Mark Stone on the trade deadline. Yeah. You know, that team, the 18-19 team, they had lost, I want to say it was 10 out of 12 before they traded for Mark Stone. Mm -hmm. And then they won 10 out of 11 yeah. and they were, you know, turned it around. Um, this time around, I think that, you know, they, the Golden Knights had a couple of good stretches and then they started the trend in the wrong direction again. And, um, but it was a tough stretch of time. You know, I've been lucky enough and those of us that broadcast uh, the team's games to know, uh, not only Gerard Gallant, but Mike Kelly, uh, who's, you know, Gerard's one of Gerard, Gerard's assistant coaches, yeah. um, two great men who lost their jobs. So I think it was, it was a bit of a shock that that happened. What might've been more of a shock was that Pete DeBoer was brought in. You know, it's, yeah. I said at the time, you can't make this stuff up, you know, like the, it was, what were you shocked more by the coaching change or who became the, rival, the new coach? Yeah. yeah the rival you know? coach coming yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, um, hey, look, hey, that being said, and people have argued, and I'm sure we'll probably continue to argue whether it was the right move or not, mm -hmm. uh, but the team is, 
since DeBoer took over has gone 15, five and two yeah. and taken over first place in the Pacific division. So it's pretty hard to argue with the results that, uh, you know, he's been able to get so far. Yeah. And uh, like you said, I think Galanta uh, did a great job, uh, but I think uh, the coaching change did change around the team and who knows, maybe uh, we'll see him in Seattle. If Seattle wants to try and get the same magic going. Um, but yeah. And then, now, usually after uh, the interview, thank you uh, for answering uh, my questions, uh, but usually after the interview, I get into the NHL news by myself. Uh, but again, today, Dave, thank you uh, for staying on, and uh, we're going to talk about some NHL news and about uh, the commissioner of the NHL's announcement. Uh, so thank you for your time. And on Monday, Gary Bettman, uh, the commissioner of the NHL, officially announced the NHL 24 team return to play format that I talked about last week on my podcast. And we don't have the when or the where, uh, but we do have the how of uh, the top four teams in each conference automatically make it uh, to the 16 team playoffs. Uh, and we'll be playing a round Robin uh, to determine the seating, uh, which includes the Vegas gold Knights. Uh, and these games uh, will be regular NHL overtime rules, and shootouts, um, but the other eight teams in each conference uh, will be playing play-in qualifying uh, round games, which is a best of five uh, to get into the playoffs. And these games uh, will have the playoff overtime rules. Uh, and right now, the NHL and the NHLPA are still debating uh, to reseed the teams after the play-in, like I said last week, and whether the first two rounds of the actual playoffs uh, should be five or seven games. Um, Dave, after watching uh, Commissioner Bettman announce this format, what are your thoughts and what stood out to you the most? Well, I think, Zach, the, the thing that, uh, you know, it seemed to me like they made the best out of what is an imperfect scenario these yeah. days, right? It's, you know, it's an imperfect world. I don't think you were going to find a solution that everyone was going to be happy with. But I think this was about as close as they could get. Yeah. So that would be the first part. Part two is there's still a lot of things that have to go right, yeah. you know, and uh, Donald fear on the other side of the head of the players association said, there's a big if factor in all this, you know, yeah. and there's stages, you know, there was a report yesterday that the NHL doesn't expect phase three, which is basically training camps to start until not before July 10th. Yeah. So that's still six weeks from now. So, um, but I, I think for the scenario and what they had to work with, um, I like the fact that the top four in the East and the top four in the West, they're going to play this round Robin. It's going to have some meaning to it. It yeah. could change the seedings. Um, I just would prefer a seeding instead of brackets. I think you should be rewarded. If you, if you end up finishing, if you're the Boston Bruins yeah. or the St. Louis Blues right now, you are first in your conference. Um, and if after this little round Robin, you stay in that spot, you should be able to play the lowest remaining seed. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And no, so, and anyway, I and no, and I 100% agree with you, and not only for those top four teams, um, but also, like, on the East, the Blue Jackets and the Toronto Maple Leafs, eight and nine, uh, they're going to be playing. Say if Montreal uh, beats number five Pittsburgh, why should eight or nine be playing the best team and number 12 is playing the number four team? Uh, yeah. So, so I, I think I, they'll sort that out, right? I think, yeah. hopefully. Um, but then, as they say, I mean, it's, you know, it's very stringent. The phase two is six players on the ice at a time, no contact, no coaches, 
no overlap with another group. So yeah. you're going to have your time, we'll say from 10 in the morning to 11, you leave the building before the next groups, come, you know, cause they'll have to uh, sanitize everything. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, I'm trying to remain optimistic that it's all going to, to work out. Um, somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm concerned. What if there's a flare up heaven forbid, yeah. what does that look like? What does it do? I know Bill Daly has said, well, one positive yeah. case wouldn't shut it down. Well, but what's the number? Three, four, yeah. five. I think there's a lot of things still in play here, but you know, fingers crossed, hopefully they're able to kind of figure this out and move forward. Yeah. And I, I think I heard uh, this comment on insider trading um, on TSN, the memo for phase two of the training was 29 pages and people thought that was long. Just imagine the work and the pages uh, going into um, the training camp in phase uh, four. Um, but also with the receding, uh, Gary Bentman did say if whatever the players want to do, um, they'll go with it, even though the league favors uh, a bracket type of sense. Um, but now if you don't have anything else to add uh, before um, everything else, uh, do you want to get into more depth and uh, talk about each uh, play in series specifically? Sure. I haven't looked that closely at it, Zach, to be honest with you, like each matchup, but yeah. um, I'll give sure. you a few numbers and you tell right. me and you'll tell sure. me what you think. And then I'll give my opinion, but uh, okay. obviously you don't have to make a choice that could hurt your job because Vegas <laughs> isn't in the play in round. Um, but let's start in the Western conference. Uh, since you cover those teams more, um, number 12, Chicago, uh, versus number five, Edmonton. Um, I mean, they have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, uh, but head to head, Chicago has won two and Edmonton's won one in the w game Edmonton won, uh, was the game Connor McDavid was not playing. Uh, so who do you think, uh, will win this series and in how many games? Yeah, I think, um, I tend to think Edmonton's act just because there's two reasons. One is they have the best, well, if he's not the best player in the world, he's in the top two with Sidney Crosby yeah. and you mentioned Connor McDavid, but also with Leon Dreisaitl. Um, but it seems like they've kind of figured out their goaltending this year. Um, I, I just think at some point the Oilers have to, you know, one playoff appearance, you know, since the 2006 final. Yeah. Um, so I, I think to a degree they're just kind of due to, to break through. And, yeah. and, and win a series and, um, you know, much improved, you know, this year, some better depth in their lineup. The Hawks, to me, um, I don't know if they're rebuilding. I, maybe they're trying to retool it. It's still all based around, you know, Kane, Taves, Keith, Seabrook. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, uh, to me, the Oilers, it's kind of – I think it's just time that they move forward and win a playoff series. Yeah, and uh, how many games? Do you think it's a sweep or? Oh, uh, no, I'd go four. Let's go four. I, I, I think that's reasonable because I think uh, if Corey Fra Crawford, uh, I think he could have a good game uh, and frustrate Edmonton. Uh, but I think also Edmonton in four games, I think I'd agree with that. Um, number six, Nashville uh, for the next series versus Arizona, who is seed 11. Um, and they – their series head-to-head -head this year has been tied. You know, I might take Arizona there, Zach, just because yeah. I think similarly, you know, Arizona's a team that last year 
were they not decimated with injuries to key people? And Auntie Ranta, they're at the time the number one goalie at the top of that list. Um, they probably or could have certainly made a strong run to make the playoffs last year. Um, I'm not sure what kind of team Nashville is right now. You know, they made yeah. the coach change. Um, Peter Laviolette, who I go back a long ways with, uh, mm -hmm. back to our days together in, in the AHL, uh, replaced by John Hines. They, at least I'll go by my, when I saw the Golden Knights play them, they seem like kind of a very nondescript team. I don't know what yeah. kind of team I think they, they came out of nowhere too, honestly. Yeah, you know, and for years they were built on um, kind of goaltending, you know, goaltender out. Um uh, Pecorino's had his struggles this year, uh, he and, and UC Soros. So kind of a long answer. But, again, I, I think the, the Coyotes are another one of these teams, good young players, probably would have made a, a, you know, a run to a playoff spot last year and now um, I think would be able to break through and, and win a playoff series this year. And in how many games? I would go, uh, I would go four again just because I think – I think the home ice advantage in Nashville, uh, even though I know there's not going to be any fans there, yeah. that's Predators have had pretty good success in that building over the years in general. So uh, now I guess throw that all out because if it's going to be if it's going to yeah, be all yeah. in one setting, yeah, I still think you know the Predators have a good enough team that they would make it a series. But I would think probably Arizona in four. Yeah, I I was thinking Arizona in five, uh, just because I I think. Arizona's the underdog, uh, at least on six eleven on the on the time there, um, but I I think I would do five because, um, you know you don't always know what's gonna happen and I I think that Pekarene is still a fantastic goaltender and I think uh, he could uh, get a game or two for the team, um, but now let's move on to the next one, uh, Vancouver seven uh, versus Minnesota ten. And Minnesota has uh, won the head-to-heads this year, um, two to one. I like Vancouver, Zach. Um, they have been most of the year better than I thought they would be. Yeah. Um, and again, with some, you know, some good young talent that's been able to kind of emerge, you know, to the forefront. I guess you know, Bo Horvat at the top of that list. Brock Besser's had another strong season for them, and they've been able to kind of build it you know, from within. So seems like they've solved a bit of their goaltending issue as well. Um, Minnesota is another team that I just don't know. I'm not sure where they're going. You know, they yeah. traded Jason Zucker to the Penguins, um, you know, before the trade deadline. And they thought they were out of the playoffs. So. Thought they were out of it. Yeah. Now Make in. a coaching change. Yeah. Now they're in kind of like the Hawks. They thought they were out. Now they're in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think Vancouver is a better team and they've had a better season. But one caveat for all of this is you don't know how this layoff is going to, yeah, you know, yeah. I think yeah, they're going to have three weeks. Each team's probably going to have three weeks of training camp. Um, and they're going to be as healthy as they've been all season long, everybody for the most part. Yeah. You know, the Golden Knights, when all this happened, not to go on a tangent, but Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, their two best players all year, were both injured. Yeah, They were going to miss time. Stone had already missed games. Pacioretty was due to miss about a month. So they're going to be back and ready to go, along with, you would imagine, most, uh, if not all, of, uh, of these teams that are going to be uh, yeah. getting back ready to, to play here. Yeah, uh, so how many games uh, do you think this one could go? I would say three. I think, you know, Vancouver I, yeah, could sweep that. That's what I thought. Uh, 
because I mean I've been watching Minnesota uh, when when I saw them playing some teams this year I just honestly uh, wasn't impressed I, I they have that more veteran presence uh, which I don't know if that could be a good thing or not but I think Elias Pedersen uh, Quinn Hughes uh, Brock Bessier I, I think uh, Vancouver can take that one in three um, but now uh, the last one probably the tightest one in each conference uh calgary eight and winnipeg nine yeah it's interesting i uh i kind of i might take winnipeg in that one zach and i take it in five um yeah i it's definitely going to five i'm not sure which one's yeah it's kind of a toss-up you know calgary you know, Calgary's had to deal with their own issues this year, right? They make the coaching change after everything happened with Bill yeah. Peters. They seem to respond pretty well to Jeff Ward. Um, Winnipeg, the, the things they've had to deal with, including rebuilding pretty much all their, most of their defense corps. Uh, you can make an argument this is the best coaching job Paul Maurice has done in his yeah. time there with what he's had to work with. Um, they're a team just on the edge of what would be a normal playoff spot. Connor Hellebuck. It's kind of been hot and cold this year. Uh, but I, I would take the Jets in five. Um, but I think it's, it's almost a pick em. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think uh, Winnipeg in five. And I think the reason I'm doing Winnipeg uh, is just because Connor Hellebuck has been a great goaltender this year. And I think, uh, I think their teams are very neck and neck. But I think uh, his goaltending, uh, who knows, may – Hopefully, maybe we'll see an overtime game five, which I think would be exciting. But I think Hellebuck uh, can can take them to the next level. Um, but now let's go to the East. Uh, and I think this is the most controversial series uh, from fans' point of view because of the big spread of points here. But Pittsburgh five, Montreal 12, with still one of the best goaltenders in Carey Price. Uh, Pittsburgh won. Uh, two in Montreal won one this year. Against yeah, I, I still like the Penguins, Zach, and I know there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot that's been made about Carey Price, and he could certainly steal the series, no question. I still think the Penguins were a better team. Yeah, of course. And I don't, you know, the the funny thing is, you forget about Jake Gensel. He yeah. was supposed to miss four or five months. Now well, he'll be back. I would think yeah. he'd be back. So you put him back in the mix. Um, there's there's a lot of teams that have had to deal with, you know, your, your blue jackets are right up there of key people that have been oh, out of the lineup. This we'll, year. we'll get to that, right? but yeah. Well, the penguins are right. They're right in that mix. I mean, yeah. they've had key guys out. So again, you know, the Canadians are a team that they're, you know, they're in transition as well, you know, of, of um, I think trying to get younger, um, which you have to do if, mm-hmm. if you're going to, you know, you have to, you have to get interject some young blood into your lineup. Uh, I think all that being said, I think the Penguins were a better team. So yeah. I would take them in four because I think as much as, yeah, in theory, Carey, Carey Price could steal a series. Sure he could. But I think the Penguins were a better team. Than the Canadians. Yeah, I, I obviously think the, Pits, uh, the Penguins will win. Uh, I'm just debating four or five games. I'm going to choose five because I think uh, Carey Price could take a game or two. Uh, so, and – Obviously, uh, I think the rust uh, for sometimes I think the veterans, uh, even though the veterans may be great uh, for the Penguins, I think all that young blood in Montreal um, with the fresh legs and everything could uh, maybe shock everyone on game one. 
Uh, so that's why I'm going to choose five. But next, uh, a very intriguing one in the East. Um, the Canes, uh, who were six, and the New York Rangers, who were 11. To note here that Carolina Hurricanes were one of the teams who voted no uh, on that 2014 format because the Rangers have won all four games against the Canes this season. Um, yeah. And Reimer's back too. So who, who do you think can win this series? I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb, Zach. I think the Rangers, you know, they, yeah. they had made a real good – and I'll back this up by saying I think they're f- much further ahead than most people thought they were going to be this year yeah. in terms of their – you know, they are certainly – rebuilding you know they've they've made it public a couple of years ago um so but i and i think they're ahead of schedule um they had put on a real good push not long before this whole pause happened um so i i like them just because i i kind of i'm a big david quinn fan full disclosure went to boston university rhode island native like myself um i think he's done a fantastic job with that team um so yeah i think that i like the rangers in a, in a bit of an upset there against a carolina team that kind of caught lightning in a bottle last year right and, and went to the east final yeah uh, and i would say in four games in four i think it's definitely gonna go to five but i i, I think i i may have to go with the rangers too um just because like say they lose a game and a goaltender's not great i mean they have Georgiev and Lundqvist, um, which I think when you have two great goaltenders, just like the Blue Jackets do, just like the Knights do and Leonard and Fleury, I think that can come really handy, especially we don't know what the schedule is going to be like. There could be back-to-backs in these uh, plans, and I think uh, I think that will be the thing that um, puts them real further uh, than the other one, than the Canes. Um, but now um, uh, the New York Islanders, who were number seven in the Florida Panthers, who are number 10, and the Islanders won all three games uh, that they've played this season against each other. I like the Islanders. Um, Real good goaltending duo. Um, I like like what they've been able to do. Matt Barzell's had another fantastic year. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, I tend to like them in three straight. They've had a real good season, you know. And, and, you know, there's plenty of – there's plenty of talent on the other side in Florida. I'm not uh, – Sergei Bobrovsky's had a very yeah. odd year. And his play – and even besides uh, what he did in Columbus last year in yeah. that first round, he's had some playoff troubles as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know if it's acclimating to a new team. I don't know if it's – I'm not sure what it is. But anyway, all that thrown into the, into the pot. Um, I like the Islanders in three straight there. Yeah, I think I agree. Because uh, who knows – I mean, the Florida Panthers goaltending, uh, it, it's kind of up in the air, and I think the Islanders have a more powerful uh, seed there. Um, but let's now get to the last one and another close one. Uh, Toronto 8 and the Blue Jackets uh, 9. Um, this is an intriguing one because uh, Toronto's won 2, 1 in regulation, 1 in overtime, and the Blue Jackets, uh, they've only played twice this season, uh, so the Blue Jackets have won none. Um, but Toronto is one of the best offensive teams in the league and the Blue Jackets are one of the best defensive teams in the league. Uh, and they also have, um, those two, those two great goaltenders 
uh, who are fighting uh, for that number one spot. And Toronto, uh, I mean, they had a decent season, but obviously not where they want to be, especially um, I know a lot of Toronto fans weren't happy about uh, the e-bug situation uh, when they lost. Um, so who do you think uh, can win this series? And do you think the offensive team will uh, win or do you think defense is stronger? I think, and not just because you're sitting in Columbus, Zach. Uh, you I'm can gonna, say whatever you want. No, I know. But here's the thing. The Blue Jackets have, to me, have done a remarkable job all year. Yeah. With, you know, you, you know, you know, certainly uh, the, the players that left that team free of free yeah. agency. Um, last year, with those players, nobody gave them a chance against Tampa Bay in the first round. Yeah. Nobody. Um, now, I know those players are gone, but I think it's a mindset that John Tortorella has been able to kind of uh, yeah. uh, break through with this team of this is how if we're going to play. This is how we're going to have to play to win. Um, so I think in answer to your question, um, I think they would have the ability to frustrate Toronto, to frustrate players like Matthews and Marner and Nylander and mm-hmm. right on down the line. My only issue with Columbus is can they score enough? Are they going to yeah. be able to score enough? to be able to break through, but I'll take them in five because I think it's, it's that close, you know, yeah. and you laid it out very well. Blue Jackets defend well, can't score a ton. And the Leafs are the exact opposite. They score yeah. a ton, but their issues are their own end. So I'll take the Blue Jackets in five because I think there's something, there's something in that mix there that I think they want to kind of show people, look, we're still a good team despite the players that left after last season. Yeah. And also to note the blue jackets, I, I mean, they just had an injury plagued season. No question. Um, I think uh, I heard Nick Felino. He was on an athletic, po- an athletic podcast and he was joking, like saying that he had to Google some of the players that were coming up. Cause there were so many. Um, and now this break was a blessing in disguise for them. I, I mean, they're getting like five, six players back. Um, which is yeah. remarkable, and they have some of these AHL players. Uh, and even though I live in Columbus, I, and I, it may be a little biased, I, I've got to choose them in in those five games uh, because I, even though offense, and I agree with you, can they score enough goals? That's the question. I think John Tortorella has been sitting around for a while now, and now he knows who he's playing. I, I guarantee you he's already starting to work how to, how to frustrate them. And I think Toronto having that younger coach, I think with the two polar opposites, the best offensive, best defense, I think coaching uh, could take this one. uh, And that's why I'm going to go with them. Um, But now after talking about the play-ins, Dave, uh, how do you feel about the hub cities? Uh, There's 10 cities, Bettman uh, said, uh, that were being looked at. um, And in three to four weeks, he said the decision will be made. uh, And we'll talk about the draft in a second. I think maybe the decision will be at the draft lottery uh, on June 26th um, because that's around three to four weeks from now. Um, But here are the cities, uh, Chicago, uh, Columbus, Edmonton, Vegas, Los Angeles, which I I don't know how that's going to happen if they're in lockdown for another three months, Um, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver. Um, And let's put an asterisk on all of this because – Bill Daly, uh, the deputy commissioner, said if they cannot, if Canada uh, will not waive the 14-day quarantine, um, they can't do it at all. 
Uh, so I know we're running a little bit uh, down on time, but quickly, who do you think uh, will be the two hub cities and why do you think it has to be one Canadian, one American? Do you think it has to be one East, one West? Yeah, I think, um, I think at the end of the day, Zach, they'll settle with one East, one West. The border issue is a significant issue. And, you know, if, if, if they're not really willing to lift those restrictions, uh, well, first off, the border between the U.S. and Canada is closed until, I want to say, yeah. June 21st. Secondly, the two-week quarantine period um, that Bill Daly talked about, that's a significant issue, too. You cross the board. Let's say you're coming back to your team in Toronto or Montreal or Winnipeg or Calgary. Quarantine for two weeks. That's, that's going to be a lot to deal with. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to get through all that red tape. Yeah. My feeling is, and I've thought this for a while, is that, and, and again, not just because I'm sitting in Vegas, but Vegas makes sense for a lot of reasons. We've been lucky in that our, our COVID-19 numbers have been relatively low, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, we certainly have enough sheets of ice. Hotels. We certainly have a ton of hotels. Um, and I think they could figure that, that part of it out in terms of so many hotels around T-Mobile. Uh, yeah. There's even Red Rock Resort out here near where I live, where our practice rink is near City National. So um, I think Vegas makes a lot of sense. The other part of it is in the east. So let's say the, the border is, remains a significant, significant issue. That takes Toronto out. Yeah. So now it's down to you guys in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. you know, and, and, you know, I, somebody had said to me recently, they thought Columbus might be the kind of the leader in the, in the clubhouse there. So, uh, which would be, you know, that's great. I, I think that, and then who knows now we're down the road of where do they play the cup, the conference yeah. finals and the cup final. And I think that's something they would have to figure out as well. But, uh, it gets back to my original comments act. There's a lot that has to go right. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are going to have to play out in the right way for them over this next stretch of time for all this to work. And hopefully that happens. Yeah. And I think, um, I, I agree with you Vegas, uh, because the hotels, um, I mean, Edmonton's been trying their best, but I, I think like you said, with that red tape, I don't think it's going to work. Um, but also, uh, in the East, I, I Columbus has that practice arena attached to their arena. And I think East and West, should be done and honestly they're saying uh should like vegas be playing in vegas i think since they're going to be in the hotels anyway i i think they should because it would make absolutely no sense if i am here in columbus i'm a big blue jackets fan or i'm in new york and i'm a big new york rangers fan why would they be playing all the way in vegas where the time differences with all the broadcasting and i think that's uh, why they wouldn't um, but I know we're tight on time, uh, so we'll talk about the draft. Uh, uh, I can talk about it after you go. Um, but uh, overall, that's good, Zach, because I don't understand yeah. the draft. So that's good. You'll make yeah. more sense of it. Than it's I a will. it's a little complicated, um, um, but it it's also a little quick. But the overall, uh, your last uh, things you want to say, and uh, overall about the NHL news, and do you think? This is really viable. And I mean, we're talking about Commissioner Bettman was saying maybe the Winter Classic could be the first game of the 2020 uh, 2021 season. Uh, so, how do you think this all ultimately plays out? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, as I say, Zach, I've tried to remain, I've kind of fluctuated probably between optimistic and realistic during this whole mm, yeah. thing. Um, tried to stay away from the pessimistic side because it doesn't seem to be productive. Um, 
You know, I think that um, I like the plan they put in place. Um, they're the first, you know, major league, uh, major uh, league sport in, in the States to yeah. North America to put something forward that if, you know, and the players have been pretty um, cognizant of this as well. This is if, if they're going to move forward and play, yeah. this is what it's going to look like. Uh, but the, you know, the, the stages they're going to have to go through, uh, it seems like testing isn't going to be an issue. Thank heavens. Now it seems like they've kind of been able to, to, to figure out that piece. They're going to need 25 yeah. to 30,000 of them. Um, and it, it seems like the plan had changed or the, the potential plan had changed on almost a daily basis. So what I think, you know, what, what Gary Bettman came out with early in the week, it wasn't really a ton of new news, but at yeah. least it was, uh, official news from the commissioner of the league. That, yeah. This is what it's going to look like if we're able to move forward. So I think they've tried to make the best they can. Uh, the best, you know, the, the best of what has not been a, a good scenario, quite obviously, for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and who knows if the Winter Classic in, in January of 2021, I, I don't know if that's going to be the first game of the year or not. We'll see if how they figure out draft, free agency, the whole nine yards. But, yeah. um, you know, boy, all of us would love to, to see it work out and, and love to see a return in some semblance to, to hockey and the sports in general. Yeah, and I think, uh, there, I think that this is a great format. Uh, but again, the hurdles, uh, can family members even come in that bubble? And that may be a problem with the NHLPA. Um, but we'll see how it happens. Uh, and we'll see, I mean, the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast that – quarantine could go on until there's hockey so who knows when that will be um but dave thank you so much uh, for coming on and and talking about your career in the gold knights and then uh giving your opinion on all these series and who knows maybe after this uh all happens uh you and all the games happen uh, we'll come back on and see if uh all your predictions were right all right zach yeah they probably won't be that's okay that's all right no it's great to be with you thanks for having me on and and stay safe out there all right thank you bye i hope you enjoyed uh that great uh interview and discussion about the nhl news um with dave gosher uh dave thank you so much uh for coming on and spending a good amount of time with me uh and like I said uh, with Dave, I'm just going to talk about uh, the NHL draft for just a few seconds, and we'll get into it more next episode. Um, but Commissioner Gary Bettman did talk about the NHL draft lottery that will be on June 26th. Um, this will be called Phase 1, and the there will be 15 teams in this draft lottery. Uh, right now, the seven that were eliminated from the playoffs uh, will have their odds respective to their point percentage, and the other uh, teams will be based, um, they will just be letter values, and no one will be assigned to those right now. If anyone is assigned to those, and if any of those letter teams win, there will be phase two, um, which will help decide which team uh, that loses from the playing rounds will get that pick. Um, but that is only if phase one does not give all three picks, the first, second, and third to any of the teams that were not in the playoffs. I know it's a little complicated, and I'll get more into it next week, uh, but I just wanted to give you a brief overview about it. Anyways, thank you so much uh, for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll listen next week. 
and if you are just joining uh, the Quarantine Hockey HQ family, welcome, and I hope you listen to our past episodes uh, with great interviews. Make sure you follow us on social media, Twitter at Hockey HQ Podcast, and on Facebook and Instagram at Quarantine Hockey HQ. You can always listen to any episode, linktr.ee slash quarantine hockey HQ. And if you want to leave us a message, give us your thoughts on the 2014 format or request any interviews, please go to anchor.fm slash quarantine hockey HQ. My name is Zach Rodier. Thank you so much for listening today, and I will catch you on the next one. Thanks, everyone.